Well, hey there, everybody. We'd like to invite you to visit South Dakota through the eyes of local Lou. She'll take you on a tour of lots of things to see and do. So enjoy your virtual visit through the eyes of local Welcome to the Local Lube Podcast. You guys, something really exciting has happened. We made it through the shortest days of winter, and now it is still light out when I am done with work. (laughs) It makes me so happy to not have to explore after dark. While I do love the concept of Local Lube after dark, it loses a little bit of the appeal when it's 10 degrees and dark and only 5.30. (laughs) Winter is not my prime exploring time. It's more movies, books, puzzles, projects, but one park I've been going to quite a bit in Sioux Falls, South Dakota is Tomar Park. This park has all the stuff. It has sand volleyball, tennis, a playground, soccer fields, you know the drill. It's a park. Here is a little local loot insight of how I enjoy Tomar Park on really cold days. There is a little path that you can take for a quick round trip. A little walk that I have done super duper tons of times on the coldest of days that we've had. Sometimes our really cold days here in South Dakota happen to be beautiful days where it's super sunny and nice out. It's just really cold. And you want to get, well, no, you need to get outside. And (laughs) you just don't want to get too far away from the car. (laughs) This is one of those things that you can make this uh, shorter or longer, weather permitting. Get out of the car, into the woods, to a bridge, and kind of decide, do I want to go further or should I head back? The trailhead to the bike path is really well marked. And at least at this very moment, almost right away off of the path is a deserted disc golf course. And the sign is still there and everything. And if you take that path through the woods, it's really pretty. There's some really nice wildlife. I've seen quite a few deer, lots of birds. There's also some really cool man-made structures from tree branches, and they're kind of all scattered in the woods there. And the path eventually winds back to the bike trail and to this little bridge. The bridge actually leads over to Spencer Park, and this bridge at sunset has some really beautiful views, and one day this fall, I even actually saw an owl there. It flew about 20 feet away from me, which is about 20 feet too close. (laughs) The thing was ginormous, and its wingspan was way longer than I am tall, and that's crazy because I'm a big girl. The owl didn't carry me away, thankfully, so I'm still here and able to tell you guys about a historical marker in Falls Park. The first time I posted this historical marker on my Instagram was the end of November in 2020. This marker is situated right by the ruins of the Queen Bee Mill, and the marker itself has a really great view of the falls. Historical marker, Philander Prescott. Various explorers may have visited the falls of the Big Sioux River in the 17th and 18th centuries, but there is no definite proof. An early state historian, Duane Robinson, believed that Charles Le Sir had visited the falls as early as 1683. The first Euro-American who recorded his visit to the falls was Philander Prescott in December 1832. An American fur company trader, he came west from the Minnesota River with two French trappers and a party of Sioux Indians. 
The men set up a trading post on the Big Sioux River near present-day Flandreau. Seeking food for the winter, the Sioux Indians found little game and left for a village of Omaha Indians located on the Missouri River. Prescott, with two men and a two-wheeled horse cart, followed the Sioux and camped overnight near this spot. The next day, they continued south for another 40 miles before deciding that further pursuit of the Sioux was useless. Turning back, they camped here a second night before returning to their Flandreau trading post. Prescott was killed at the Minnesota Lower Sioux Agency during the 1862 Dakota Conflict. Historical Marker, Philander Prescott, Falls Park, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Philander Prescott was born in Phelpstown, New York, September 17, 1801. After being orphaned, he would make his way out to Detroit in 1819 before ending up where he would spend the rest of his life, in Minnesota. An interesting layer to this is Prescott in 1823 would wed Mary, Spirit of the Moon, the daughter of a Dakota subchief. When reminiscing about their courtship, he wrote, It was ten days before I could get my wife, as she was timid then. At last, through much entreaty of the parents, she came for to be my wife or companion as long as I choose to live with her. Little did I know at the time I should live with her until old age. The old chief lived in his tent near us all winter. I fed and clothed them all winter. Prescott and Mary would be married for the rest of his life. They had nine children. Five of them would make it to adulthood. We learned on the historical marker that in 1832, we know that Prescott visited the falls in what is now Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Since his hunting party was following Sioux Indians, this hunting route makes sense, as Native Americans were known to stop at the falls on their way to and from Pipestone, Minnesota. An excerpt from Prescott's own writings, he describes the falls... I started with a cart and two men, and one horse and a small supply of provisions. The first day we started, one of my men killed a small deer, and a large buck got away. We camped at the falls of the Big Sioux. Here, the river is about 20 yards wide, but shoal and rapids are just below the falls of the Big Sioux. The falls are about 10 feet and fall through so many broken rocks and crevices. Another early account of the falls in The States and Territories of the Great West by Jacob Ferris in 1856, Captain James Allen accounts in 1844, the rock of these falls is massive quartz. The falls, as near as I could measure it, is 100 feet and 400 yards and is made up of several perpendicular falls, 120, 118, and 110 feet. The rock in the course and on the borders of the stream is split, broken, and piled up in the most irregular and fantastic shapes, and presents deep and frightful chasms extending from the stream in all directions. There is no timber here on the borders or bluffs, and only a little on the small island at the head of the rapids. Now, I will say the falls still look like that, so both of these accounts totally check out. Back to Philander, Prescott would become an interpreter for the Dakota language. I'm assuming his knowledge of the language would come from his wife, who spoke Dakota until she died because she was a Dakota woman. <laughs> Prescott would help translate the Treaty of Travers de Sioux and the negotiations in 1851. 
Prescott talked about treaty funds being misused in a report he made to the Bureau of Indian Affairs in 1856. Have the officers under the president applied these funds so appropriated in the manner stipulated by treaties? I can distinctly say no. The treaties say these funds shall be annually expended, whereas large amounts have been kept back and are now in arrear, and that after repeated applications to them have been expended. These arrears are not mere petty sums, surpluses, or remnants of funds remaining unexpended, but large amounts, thousands and tens of thousands, and in some case the whole fund appropriated for some special purpose. It seems like Prescott would at least have been considered a friend to the Native Americans in some ways, and yet he was one of the first killed in the Dakota War of 1862. A few Dakota are said to have warned Philander Prescott to stay out of sight that day, the day he was killed. However, not heeding that warning, Prescott decided to flee to Fort Wrigley. He was killed in some accounts decapitated, though not sure if that really matters. I wasn't able to verify if that was true or if it was just lore. His wife Mary and children were taken captive, and I wondered since if it was Mary's people, if she was indeed captive. But since her and daughter Julia go on to escape from captivity during the Battle of Wood Lake, it does feel like, yes, she was being held against her will. I was able to find an article in the Weekly Pioneer and Democrat, October 10th of 1862. More prisoners escaped. Mr. John McGear of Mankato arrived here on the on the second with Miss Prescott, widow of Philander Prescott, interpreter, who was killed at the lower agency and her daughter. Miss Prescott, with other prisoners, was sent to the Indian camp near the mouth of Chippewa River. When the party left this place to attack Colonel Sibley, after the war party left, an Indian named White Dog took Miss Prescott and her daughter and five persons of Mr. Quinn's family and started them down the Minnesota River in a canoe. They arrived at Fort Ridgely last Saturday night. Miss Prescott gives a dreadful account of the treatment of white captive women by the Indians. They are subjected to every indignity and outrage which can be conceived. Two more interesting articles I found. One after Philander Prescott's death in 1892, the St. Paul Daily Globe accounts the manuscript of Philander Prescott, one of the early pioneers of Minnesota, was received by the State Historical Society yesterday. It consists of many interesting reminiscences and stories of adventures with the Indians. I will say, having looked at some of these transcripts myself for this research, it was really interesting. He took a lot of copious notes and did have some fun stories. Obviously, they're all from his point of view, but I think it's a really interesting point of view. It seems like Philander Prescott ended up being the first guy a lot of places. However, it's hard to tell if he was the first guy or just the first guy that took notes about it. Either way, he was the first guy because we remember him to be the first guy. The next article is from St. Paul Weekly, Minnesotan, and it was published in June 4th of 1859. It recounts a party in which Philander is being honored. Philander Prescott Esquire, the oldest settler in the state who is present. Mr. Prescott, one of the vice presidents, a venerable old man, responded to this toast. He said he had come to what is now Minnesota about the year 1819 or 1820. 
His adventures during these 40 years would fill volumes, but he would not attempt to narrate any of them now. He claimed true American nativity and descent, his ancestors having been among the Mayflower pilgrims, and his grandfather an officer at the Battle of Bunker Hill. He said he thought pioneer females of the country should be remembered too, as they played an important part in early history, and what would old man settlers have done without them? It was his intent to have remembered the female pioneers of the state and toast to that effect had been prepared, but prior to that time in offering, the ladies had left the room. Philander Prescott is mentioned on a few more historical markers here in South Dakota. So we'll hear his name again, and now you know a little bit more about his story. Because Philander's wife was a Dakota woman, I had a feeling that he would have some kind of in, but I don't think it works out like that. And just because he seems like through his writings and stories to be a decent guy, he's a decent guy in comparison to people that are awful. But we'll get more into that soon when we dive into a store owner that learned nothing from Marie Antoinette. Philander was sort of a whistleblower. Well, he wasn't sort of a whistleblower. He totally was a whistleblower when it came to the misappropriations of funds from these treaties. The Native American people deserved beyond every penny (laughs) that they were owed, and they were not getting it, and they were getting it inconsistently. Some of those inconsistencies were stemming from the United States Civil War. However, a lot of them were stemming from absolute corruption of the system. In fact, in... March 27, 1862, Bishop Whipple wrote a letter to President Lincoln wherein he summarized the inequities of the Indian system and insisted on the importance of placing the Indians under an honest government of law, administered by honest men selected for merit and not as a reward for political services. This system was broken, and Philander Prescott wasn't the only one sounding that bell. And after the assassination of President Lincoln, whatever reform he may or may not have been intending was now just never going to happen. The end of Philander Prescott's life was the beginning of the Dakota War of 1862. And it's okay if you're not familiar with that war. We're going to get to it. I guess it shouldn't surprise you. He shows up more. (laughs) In researching, I found that there is a Philander Grill in Prescott, Wisconsin. And I thought, that can't be a coincidence, so I looked into it, and it's not. (laughs) You'll find the link to the restaurant mixed in with the links from my other research in the show notes, because why not? I'm happy to know a little bit more about Prescott as we start to launch deeper and deeper into the last sentence on his historical marker. Check out Local Lou on Instagram to see pictures of the historical marker and another fun spot right off the Big Sioux River just south of Falls Park at Sharapa Place. There is another historical marker. Well, it's more like a historical pillar, I guess. Obelisk? I don't know. I guess that it, it also mentions our good old philander, though, and I will include that. Please subscribe to the Local Loop podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss out on these upcoming episodes that I can't wait to share with you guys. I think we're all going to learn new things and goings on in the Dakota Territory and Minnesota during the Civil War. It's pretty fascinating in the sort of way that a horrific scene is hard to look away from. 
As we wrap up on Philander Prescott, a great way for you guys to share this podcast is by sharing it on your social media. Or if you guys have iTunes, you can drop me a rating. Not to toot my own horn. Toot, toot. I have some really fun reviews that make me smile. (laughs) You may also know that I have been a guest on some local podcasts recently. Links to my guest appearances on the Dave Holly Hour, Fat Dude Digs Flicks, and Backlot 605 are included in the show notes as well. I hate to see you guys go, but have a great and wonderful day, and I'll see you next time on the Local Lou Podcast. Mm